0: Welcome to our second podcast on the topic of the Lord's Prayer. This is the first podcast where we start looking at each component of the Lord's Prayer in depth. In this podcast, the intent is to look at the very first phrase. But before we get started, let's listen to the prayer in its entirety. Make sure you make note of the opening line. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So that opening line is very familiar to us, isn't it? Our Father who is in heaven. It's so familiar that we think nothing of it. But for the disciples, this was a whole new concept. They had never heard of anybody praying to God and addressing Him as Father. They only knew what was taught them from the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, the men of God didn't address God as Father. An example would be Hezekiah as he prayed to God in 2 Kings 19, verses 15 through 16. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord. O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Did you notice how Hezekiah addressed God as he prayed? God of Israel, you are God, and you made heavens and earth. Now, for another example, let's listen to Daniel's prayer in Daniel chapter 9, verses 4 through 6. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. Daniel was a great man of God. and Notice how he came with sackcloth and ashes and addressed God with great and regal titles. This is probably how the disciples would normally have approached God. To address him as their father must have been a completely new concept. So why did the Lord select the title Father from among the many names of God when he was teaching his disciples how to pray? What is the significance of that title? So what is a father? Well, a father is a man who is raising his children. Now, I realize that's kind of a duh statement, but think about what it means. He's taking his children, who are young human beings, and guiding them into adulthood. When his children are young, they know nothing about social norms, the complexity of finances, how to prepare food, how to work for a living, and all the responsibilities of adulthood. But under his care, they learn, grow, and develop into full-grown adults. Now, you know as well as I do that there are all kinds of fathers out in the world with different attitudes about their kids, and many of them do a lousy job of raising kids. But what kind of attitude does a good father have towards his children? Well, believe it or not, a good father wants his children to have a better life than he himself had. That means he wants his children to avoid mistakes that he made and to make choices that will produce better results than what he himself experienced. A good father will do everything in his power to make sure that his children have a better advantage in life than what he had when he started out. This is because a good father cares for his children. He has their best interest in mind. So how does this apply to what the Lord was teaching his disciples? Now remember, there were many titles that apply to God, and the Lord could have selected any one of them. For example, he could have taught them to say, Almighty God who is in heaven. This would have reminded them that the God they were praying to was all-powerful and will-able to accomplish anything that they asked. Or he could have taught them to say, merciful God in heaven, to teach them that they don't have to fear God's wrath. But instead of these titles, he taught them to address God as Father in heaven. It must be that he selected this title to teach the disciples that the God they approached with their request was a God who was a good father, who cares for his children and wants what's best for them. Well, I think sometimes we question whether or not God actually has our best interest in mind. Because if he had our best interest in mind, then why does he allow bad things to happen to us? Of course, we recognize that sometimes bad things happen to us because we don't listen to his word. So he warns us against doing things that will harm us, and sometimes we ignore his warning and we suffer the consequences. But outside of that, we have all seen where bad things have happened to people who are faithful to listening to God's instruction. So what about those cases? Well, sometimes an earthly father will introduce pain and suffering into a child's life to teach them that a particular attitude or behavior is wrong. We call that discipline. And sometimes a father will allow pain and suffering into a child's life because it's for their benefit. For example, a father may send his child to have their tooth pulled at the dentist. This causes a lot of pain, but it's for their benefit. We certainly wouldn't question that father's love and, and desire for his child's success, would we? But sometimes things happen that could be totally preventable like a child dying from disease, or wicked men carrying out evil actions against loved ones. So what about those cases? How can God care for us if he allows these kinds of things to happen? Well, Job experienced these kinds of things, and I want you to notice what Job said at the end of all of his trials and hardships. I know that you can do everything, and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear... But now my eye sees you. Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. It seems that Job did not conclude that God was not good, but that God has the right to give and to take as he pleases. God is not obligated to give us a comfortable life, and it looks like Job was content with that. But if we were to keep reading to the end of the book of Job... We would have seen that God restored to Job all that he lost, and so Job found the abundance of the goodness of God. Now God, since he is God, has the right to take from us whatever he pleases. So this can make us nervous to trust God. But Job found out that if God took something from him, he restored what was taken away. Now, Job received these things in his lifetime, but we believe that if God doesn't restore these things in our lifetime, he will make up for what we suffered in eternity. So we trust that even if God allows bad things to happen, he will more than compensate us for our losses. Our God is a good God, and he is a caring father. So Jesus is teaching his disciples to recognize that God is a good father who wants what's best for his children, and he wanted them to trust in the goodness of God. Now try to imagine what it was like for the disciples to approach God with that perspective. They didn't have to try to catch the attention of a powerful God who had better things to do. They were coming before a God who cared for them and wanted what was best for them, like a good father wants for his children. Now you'll notice that the Lord didn't say to pray, our Father, and then stop. He said, our Father in heaven. So that's an important point, and there are a couple things that we should learn from it. The first thing is that God is in heaven, which means he is far above us, which means that he's greater in wisdom and power and resources. So when we pray to him, it should be with respect, because he is much higher than we are. The other thing we can learn has to do with God's ability to provide what we need. You see, it's possible that an earthly father could find himself in a situation where he's not able to give what is best for his children. Either he lacks the resources, or doesn't have the strength, or maybe doesn't even have the patience. But our Father in Heaven doesn't have these limitations. Not only does he desire what is best for his people, but he is able to give, and he is able to do what is best for his people. He doesn't run out of resources, and he isn't limited by his strength. He is well able to bring about what is best for us. So how do we apply this to our prayer life? Well, when we pray, we can know that we are praying to a God who wants what is best for us. He wants to do for us the things which will bring us to reach our full potential in life. He is a God who cares very much for each of us. He's not a God who is distant and emotionally removed from us. He is intimately interested in our personal well-being, just as a good father is with his children. Furthermore, he's in heaven, so he's not overwhelmed by the troubles I might be going through or at a loss of what to do. He can see from the perspective of heaven and see beyond my troubles. I'm coming to one who is well able to help me. So the Lord wants us to remember that when we pray, we are praying to a God who sees what's best for us. He wants what's best for us, and he's well able to give what is best for us. He is our Father who is in heaven. The scripture reading is taken from the Word of Promise Audio Bible, New King James Version.